Have you ever asked yourself, what's the best way I can contribute to sci-fi and fantasy in the literary world? If you have, the answer is simple. You just have to be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt and host the Sword and Laser podcast. If for some reason you can't be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt, however, don't despair. All is not lost. You can still head over to patreon.com slash swordandlaser and help fund their hard work. Every cent you give adds more swords and more lasers to their growing arsenal of speculative literary goodness. That's patreon.com slash swordandlaser. everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. And some weeks, we have a great fun segment at the top of the show where we tell you what we're drinking. And this week is one of those weeks, except <laughs> I'm not drinking anything interesting. What do you, are you drinking anything at all? Usually, I have something. Often, mm -hmm. I will have had something, even if I'm not actually drinking it right at the moment, that is worth talking about and interesting. Today, all I've had all day is San Pellegrino. <laughs> like, or I mean, it's just important to stay hydrated. Or just tap water. I've, yeah, water. Water is all I've had today. I did get, so maybe I can tease ahead future what are we drinkings. I did get six bottles of Star Trek booze. Yeah, so tell me about that. How did that come to be? So um, no spoilers for the show Picard, uh, but spoilers for the backstory of Picard. If you've ever watched any Star Trek, if you've never watched any Star Trek. Uh, Picard, Do you mean backstory of the person Picard? Yeah, Picard <laughs> okay. comes from France and mm -hmm. there is a uh, his family has a vineyard. Uh, it's called Chateau Picard. And so as I am watching this episode of Picard this week, I think, huh, wonder if anybody's selling Chateau Picard. I'd like a bottle of Chateau Picard. So tappity tap, I do a little search. I find StarTrekWines.com. I think it's StarTrekWines.com. Anyway, I find mm -hmm. the website for Star Trek Wines. And not only do they sell Chateau Picard, but they sell Cardassian Canar, uh, Klingon Blood Wine, Andorian Blue. And Federation Reserve, both red and okay. white. So okay. I bought one of each. So like, what are we talking price-wise in um, credits? It, it's equivalent to, yeah, how many Federation credits? Uh, it's it's like two slips of gold press latinum. Uh, no, it, it's, uh, it, it was like less than 200 bucks. Like it was equivalent to six bottles of of a of a wine from a wine club basically like a, de a decent wine club yeah yeah nice um the chateau picard is actually a bordeaux from a a, a vineyard Ooh, in france i like bordeaux. the rest of them are from a, a vineyard in lodi oh okay are they blends one of them is a blend i believe the canar is a blend mm -hmm. um the blood wine is a cab, the Federation red. I can't remember now. Um, the Federation white is a Sauvignon Blanc, and the Andorian blue is a Chardonnay colored blue. <laughs> well, I'm I'm happy for that. <laughs> and no, there is happy. no Romulan ale because these are just wines. There's no no actual 
Uh, and, and also Romulan yeah. ale is illegal, Ian. I mean, come on. It's a controlled, is it? controlled substance. Wait, is Ian in the chat? Oh, he is in the chat. Okay, we yeah. have a, we have a small chat today. I hadn't scrolled down all the way, so I didn't see his comments. Sorry, so we're joined Brandy. by Tomahome. No spirits, Tomahome. Yeah, just just wines. So. And there's one other person who has yet to yet to reveal themselves. Uh, we posted, and I learned how to do event postings in Discord. Ah, um, yes. So I added the live I recording as my a interest. You did. He was interested. <laughs> and um, I still am, but yeah. Um, and so I, I'll do that. I'll try to remember to do that earlier next time anyway, um, or do it like in advance. Yeah. That's what I will be drinking someday. What are you drinking now, Veronica? I am drinking a Tepache cocktail. Uh, Tepache is a Mexican fermented, uh, drink that is created from, uh, fermenting, uh, pineapple rinds and maybe other parts of the pineapple as well. Um, Kind of is like that a kombucha, or is that just a, a it's, the mixer? It's, it's like a kombucha. It's not like alcoholic, okay. really. Gotcha, it like gotcha. has some alcohol in it, right? Because it's fermented, but yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So I added some rum, because um, I bought these this four like I bought a bunch of these. Um, it's the brand is called De La Calle, and it it's all different types of flavored tepache. And mm. um, I was like, I bet these would make really good mixers. So I looked up on the Googles to see like what it would be mixed with. And there were a bunch of recipes that all included ingredients that I don't have. (laughs) So I was like, all right, rum seems to be like the primary liquor that you should could and many people do mix it with. So I added some rum. It was really good. And then I went to top myself off um, before the show started and uh, accidentally poured like half the bottle of rum into the glass thinking it was the soda. And I haven't even really started drinking yet. And so... We'll see how I am by the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We are. Uh, so. <laughs> there were uh, bets being placed on whether Veronica will still be awake by the time we get to the book discussion if yeah. she keeps drinking that cocktail. So, if you're watching, if you uh, have access to the YouTube uh, video for this podcast episode, you will see the exact moment when I make that uh, hilarious, <laughs> hilarious mistake. And you headbutt into the. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right. Going to be one of those podcasts. Mm-hmm. Got it. Mm-hmm. And how? Shall we jump into the quick burns? Indeed. March Madness continues. We are into the third round uh, now. So you can head to Sword and Laser, uh, swordandlaser.com, click on March Madness. You can see the brackets there. uh, Then click on the link to the polls if you want to vote on which books will advance to the next round. Uh, Thanks again, as always, to Rob, who does a great job collecting all the poll links, making them easy to find in the Goodreads forum and in the Discord. He collects all the stats for the first two rounds and makes it, and he'll do it for the other two as well, uh, make it really easy to find. Uh, who's doing well and how they did and how many votes there are and all, all that good stuff. Um, how are you feeling so far? We've got the first, second, fifth, and sixth seeds uh, mm-hmm. making it mm. to the semifinals. Uh, in the, the sword final, it's Rivers of London versus a Master of Gin. And in the mm-hmm. laser final, it's Children of Time versus a Psalm for the Wild Built. Yeah, we are officially in the semifinals. So we've got two more. This round needs to end and then we go into the finals and then we'll have our winner. Um, I feel like I don't want to I don't want to color the voting, so I'm not going to give my predictions. I have a prediction. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a prediction for the two I think are going to make it to the finals. Um, And this is not at all based on data. I haven't looked at any of the data. 
So I have no idea numbers wise how things have been progressing, if there have been like major crushing defeats uh, throughout this process for the first there two rounds. There was one first round mm-hmm. matchup that came down to the wire. I think it ended up being by three votes, but like even an hour before the end, it was one vote separation. And Veronica and I were readying our our powers to break the tie if we needed to, uh, but we didn't. Everything else has been by fairly comfortable margins, I feel like. Mm-hmm. So Tomahome put their pick on the in the chat. I, I do not agree with that pick. I I, under, I get it, but that is not my pick. So well, nobody's going to know what it is because no one can see it. <laughs> I was going to say, now you've given away what's not your pick to the people in the no, chat. No, I haven't right? because to maybe to chat, but there's mm-hmm. five people in the chat, including and us. So I'm not talk? worried about it. I don't think they'll talk. Oh, they'll talk. And if they do, you know what? That's fine. That can they'll be like a, a super like secret. A rooster. Super Wait, secret squeal crow? like a little piggy. Why do roosters crow? Why do they crow? Yeah, wouldn't crows crow? <laughs> holy, holy shit. <laughs> right? I mean, crows don't rooster. All right. Well, anyway, on that note, yes. On that note, uh, so uh, <laughs> that's a, it, that's an episode title. Write it down. Does the rooster? <laughs> does the rooster crow? Okay. Yeah. You got it. Good. Yeah. Um, go and vote. Uh, vote in the March Madness. Uh, you can't lose because all of these books are good, and so whichever one wins, uh, we will all enjoy reading. And of course, you're free to read any of them. You don't how. It's not like you're banned from reading them if they if they don't win the tournament. This is all just for fun. I will say. I was surprised, and it's hard for me to say pleased, but uh, I really thought Project Hail Mary would beat A Song for the Wild Built, and I'm a big Becky Chambers fan. I'm also a big Andy Weir fan, so it's kind of hard, but I was pleased that A Song for the Wild Built moved on. I wasn't pleased that Project Hail Mary had to lose, though. That's always the way with these things, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's two, I would say, two big names in our world, Mm -hmm. I think. I think that was Becky the Chambers star matchup just, of round two, too. Yeah, yeah, totally, absolutely. I think, um, I think Becky Chambers just has a lot of like love. Like, not that Andy mm. Weir doesn't, but I think there's right. a lot I know. of like. See, it's hard because you're like, well, but also, yeah, yeah. It's a different kind of thing. Like, I think there's a lot of respect for Andy Weir and a lot of like affection for his books, but I think people like really love the characters. Oh God! But yeah, it's tough. That's why Martian, this one got the yeah. most votes in round two because uh, it Ooh. was people had opinions. Yeah. 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 Maybe I don't know. I don't know. It's super interesting. I'm kind of disappointed. I've been meaning to read the Library of Mount, Mount Char for a while. So I was hoping that would and progress. And that one got the most votes all together, according to Rob in the round one mm. and then mm-hmm. lost in round two. So it just goes to show, you wow, never, yeah. never know. Yeah. I feel like the girl with all the gifts, which was my wild card. I think uh-huh. that book is maybe just a little too outside of our normal realm. Mm-hmm. Both wild cards lost. So that makes me yeah. think that the wild First card, round. the wild card idea, maybe not, maybe doesn't work. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Or maybe mm-hmm. you should have wild two wild cards in each bracket so they can so one of the wild cards can at least advance. Oh, di- oh, I see. Where you had one wild card in each each la- you know, one sword, one laser and they didn't one play genre each other so. wild card. Yeah, right. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. Well, you know, it's still exciting. It's super fun. Yeah, super um, fun. I was going to say our seeds look normal too. Like if you were to see an actual basketball tournament, 
Mm-hmm. One, two, five, and six. One, two, three, four never happens, right? So one, two, five, and six feels pretty normal. It would be even more normal if it was like one, two, five, and 13, right? That, that often happens too. How do you choose? How did you choose the seating? Uh, I... I, we picked our books and then I looked at what their votes, how many votes they had. And a lot of them oh, were okay. ties. So it was just kind of random, but the top, Got it. the top seeds were based on the number of nominations. Yeah. Cause project Hail Mary only had, was only 10th seeded. So yeah, surprising anyway. Okay, cool. Well, keep following along, keep voting. Um, we're still in the middle of a voting round right now. So there's still time. We just had a voting round end yesterday. Um, so yeah, ton, a little bit more time. It's moving fast as it always does. Indeed. I know Indeed. the service that powers our brackets is called Challenge, mm-hmm. like C-H-A-L-L-O-N-G-E. Oh. Mm-hmm. But every time I see it in the rundown, I think you just had a Tom Merritt moment. And just spelled it. Yeah. <laughs> I just spelled it weird and it makes me laugh every time. Another one of those Tom typos. <laughs> oh, wait. No, that's actually right that time. <laughs> That's actually a noun. Um, cool. Well, moving on to other uh, bits of news from Jan. Uh, Viator.com, the 2021 Nebula Awards finalists have been announced. Woo-oh! In the novel category, the finalists are March Madness Contender, A Master of Gin by P. DeJelly Clark, The Unbroken by C.L. Clark, Machine Hood by S.B. Divya, A Desolation Called Peace by Arcadie Martin, and Plague Birds by Jason Sanford. And the novella category includes a nomination for March Madness participant, A Psalm for the Wild Build by Becky Chambers. Winningly. That's great. And I can't wait to go hang out at the Nebula Awards in law. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, Jan wait. also pointed out that Locust Magazine reported that the Science Fiction and Fantasy Writers of America announced the 2022 Nebula Awards will be entirely virtual. Mm. No in-person conference. I realize for most mm. of you, that doesn't even matter. And- for many years, it wouldn't matter to us if it's in Chicago. It'd be like, well, would we fly out there? Maybe not. Uh, but the science fiction writers had hoped to hold a hybrid conference with, you know, some people attending online, but some people in person in Los Angeles, which meant mm-hmm. I could have gone because that's where I am, yeah. Los Angeles. Would you uh, have gone? The, I probably would have. I mean, you I were literally like going to massive k-pop concerts yeah so i feel like this is in your wheelhouse but in the end they decided to postpone the in-person component until next year just to be extra safe um that means the nebula awards will be held entirely online for the third year in a row now yeah we are entering year three of this thing i know i remember in 2020 thinking like okay it was a little nerve-wracking to go in person last time and i think it was going to be in chicago so i wasn't going to be there anyway i don't or maybe it was going to be in los angeles but i was let off the hook. I didn't even have to worry about that. So, and now three years later, I'm like, I want to go. Cause I can't, as soon as I can go, I'll be nervous again. I know. I had my first day at the office today with no mask since the pandemic started. Oh, wow. How'd that feel? It was, it was not that weird actually. Yeah. Like, it was a little bit nerve wracking at first. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, oh, okay. Like I wasn't in any big, I didn't have any meetings with people. So we were all just kind of in the open floor plan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was a little weird. A little weird. We'll get, we'll get used to it. It'll Yeah, yeah. It's living with COVID. Yep. Indeed. All right. So the next one is from Mark, who says the 2022 Audi Awards were handed out. And those are audiobook of the year. And 2022 SNL March Madness number 10 seed, Project Hell Mary by mm-hmm. Andy Weir. Congratulations. 
And for fantasy, uh, Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson. Uh, number 13, Sword Seed, The Jasmine Throne by Tasha Suri was a fantasy nominee as well. And yeah, so congratulations to uh, Mr. Andy Weir for for taking that home for Audiobook of the Year. Yeah, yeah. Um, audiobook, I, I did not listen to any of these yet, but I will probably and I do want listen to, note to at least one that, of them. That Project Hail Mary was narrated by Ray Porter um, and published by Audible Studios. So always, always want to give credit to the narration because that yeah, is, that performer, always helps. For sure. Uh, Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter campaign, <laughs> uh, started off as a, as a fun thing. We had a lot of people posting about the YouTube video he put up where he apologized for writing a whole new novel. Uh, but the, uh, Kickstarter <laughs> broke the record for most Kickstarter money, Kickstarter money raised in a 24 hour period. Uh, Paul says, I haven't read his stuff yet. Sounds up my alley, but I'm such a slow reader and so many other books to read that I just can't seem to justify spending the year <laughs> of required reading time to get through one of his series. Uh, this was also sent to us on Twitter by Drake. Thank you for that, uh, as well, Drake. Uh, yeah. Uh, Brandon Sanderson has, we knew <laughs> that y'all love Brandon Sanderson, but I, it's now you got a dollar amount you can put on it. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we're very happy for Brandon. Um, oh, so this is, yeah. this is, uh, uh, this is, um, so Kickstarter backers are going to get these four, four new novels, uh, that Brandon Sanderson is going to be self-publishing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's up there now. It's, it's way above 15 million at this point. Um, and I saw a lot of feedback from authors on Twitter, both, you know, kind of saying like, congratulations, but also this is kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's, that's like good for him. So how does this work? So he, so he, it, it's going through his bookstore too. So he can start sending out things like book of the month awards, um, mm-hmm. other types of awards, but like that is so much money. It's so like it with is taxes, and it isn't, he gets right? like half of it. Right. Well, it depends on how he does it. Uh, okay. This is $15 million for him to publish the books. So and all the expenses that go into publishing the books come out of that. And then he can issue himself royalty checks that often have taxes withheld. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my royalty checks do. So I assume Brandon could, even though he's, it sounds weird that he's working for himself. He can issue himself his own royalty checks with taxes withheld and bring down the taxes a lot. But when you think about it that way, suddenly it's like, oh, it's $15 million for an entire publishing enterprise. And I'm guessing he's not, you know, doing Lulu.com or. But he only wanted to raise a million. Yeah. So I think he thought like, like, oh, I'll do a, I'll do a small print run for the people on Kickstarter and then I can sell it. Right. Now he's doing 15 million for, for a full, like you can start to do things that he wouldn't have needed to do before or would have had to fund himself before like promotions and giveaways and appearances and, and stuff, you know, flying places. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess what I'm saying is yes, he could have done it himself for a million dollars and it would have worked. Now he's in the realm of what a publisher might spend on a Brandon Sanderson book. I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea what a publisher would spend. I have publisher no... folks. We know you can't divulge numbers, but write to us or where you work for yeah. feedback at sword and laser.com. And and let us know like, oh yeah, that's in the realm of this kind of book launch budget, budget wise. Uh, it'd be interesting yeah. to see the comps on that. 
And we have, um, and Paul, if you want to read Elantris, that was the Brandon Sanderson book that we read for Sword and Laser way back when. Um, I would say that's a healthy length, not too crazy long, not one of his longer ones, um, and feels pretty standalone. So I think you'd be okay. If I remember correctly, that was pretty standalone. So that might be a good good place to start. Yeah. All right. Am I on the next one or is that it, you? Well, it's you. I read the Brandon Sanderson. All right. All right. Joanna says the shortlist for British Science Fiction Association Awards have been announced. There is a Peter F. Hamilton book in there, but the short one. (laughs) Also, Washington Stream Multilingual Academy in Pasadena has been renamed the Octavia E. Butler Magnet. Uh, Butler was an alumna of WSMA and then called Washington Middle School, uh, then called Washington Middle School, rather. Three years ago, the WSMA named its library in order, in honor of Butler. So now the whole school gets to be renamed. Super cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Thank you for that, Joanna. I'll have to go drive over there and take a picture. That's super cool. Yeah. All right. Thank you to everyone who uh, sent in quick burns. You can do so over on the Discord channel or over on Goodreads in our quick burns thread. Now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. And this post was a little confusing, but I wanted to read it anyway, because I think it's going to start some interesting conversations. Um, So Adam said that after four years, uh, he has finally finished The Great American Read, and he's finishing also the backlog of sword and laser picks, uh, including alts as listed by the wiki. Damn. So you're reading more than either of us have. (laughs) Yeah, serious. Yeah, literally, because I haven't even read all the sword and laser picks. I haven't read all the alts for sure, yeah. Um, so he poses the question, which authors alt picks don't count that sword and laser has not read. Are we most excited to have a shot at reading in the future? And mm. so he listed, um, so this is where so, I got a little so hold confused. On. The alt picks threw me off. Which authors that we haven't read are mm-hmm. we most excited to read About in the future? potentially someday yeah. reading. Oh, yeah. 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 I'm in. And so, um, his number one was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because 2021 was the 42nd anniversary. That's legit. Yeah. We totally. haven't read Hitchhiker's Guide? No. I don't know. It's one of those one that every time I go to to pick it, there's some other thing that comes up where it's like, oh, but we really should read this. And we can always get to Hitchhiker's Guide. You know, and that's kicked it oh. down the road for, for years and years. That's happened to so many books that we have finally got around to reading. Like Peter F. Hamilton, for instance. So we'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. But I, I too, Adam, am very excited to to revisit that. I have read that novel countless times in my life, and I yeah, same. Well, totally not countless, it. not countless, but I have read it multiple times. Um, the next one that he mentioned was a uh, Jane Yolen, Dragon's Blood. Uh, we did read. Mm. I know he said not counting alt picks or uh, Jane Yolen finding Baba Yaga was an alternate pick in 2020, mm-hmm. December 2020. I'm not sure why. Um, we read the the pick for that. Oh, oh, this is you. I was gone for this. This is when I was giving birth to a human baby. Um, it was the month you read uh, Parable of the Sower, Octavia Butler, and the alt pick was Jane Yolen. I, I think it was because Bria, Bria mentioned finding Baba Yaga and people were excited about reading it. Got and she, it. she had almost picked it. I'm... I, my memory may be foggy, but I think it was something like that. The second one he mentions is Gail Carriger, who I know we have not read, um, though we have read for Vaginal Fantasy, 
uh, my my now we've defunct. not read Gail Carriger. We have not read Gail Carriger as a pick. Yeah. As a pick, really, or as an alt, as far as I know. Yeah. What is wrong with us? <laughs> I feel. I feel like that. Wait, 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 wait. Hold, oh, hold. no, 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 no. Soulless was an alt pick in 2018. Okay, at least as an alt pick. Good, because yeah. I'm okay. like. Mm-hmm. NK mm-hmm. Jemison was a main pick and it an alt a, pick. It was both. Yeah. NK, I, yeah. The next one, I was like, hold on a minute. Yeah. Adam Christopher, we read. I think that might have been an alt. It was an alt. Empire State was an alt. Was an alt? Yeah. Really? It was an alt for Rule 34. I've read a lot more alt picks than I realized because yeah. I totally remember reading them. <laughs> and then finally, uh, well, Haruki uh, Murakami. So uh, the big one there that we would have probably read was 1Q84, but we, we did never read that. As a main? Was it an alt? That was a long it alt. Was an alt. That was it an was alt. an alt. It was, was an it? alt, ironically, for Elantris by Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> no how, how was that an alt? Because we talked about it on the show too. We don't always but talk about the alts. How could you read? How could you possibly read both of those books? And you read As it Tom too. Hall, I remember notes, you having. I did an read opinion. it. I listened to the audiobook. It was like fifty hours. Yeah, long. I, I still picture myself running in the hills in San Rafael mm-hmm. with Sawyer the dog listening to that book. Tomahome says one Q eighty four is longer than Pandora's Star. Wow. And I will say, um, I have also distinct memories of place for 1q84 uh that was when i was doing game on and so i would listen to it while i was driving up to petaluma to to shoot game on up at at the twit studios joe abercrombie was an alt pick (laughs) i love how mad this makes us because i read the entire series (laughs) i'm so mad at us for not making these authors main (laughs) picks they all deserve it (laughs) we didn't know it was only 2010. We didn't know. <laughs> um, the blade itself was an alt pick to World War Z. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, th- I think some of these were back when we didn't do a book a month. Mm-mm. Possibly. You're wrong. No, we were well into a book a month by that for point. For all of these? I know for yeah. 1Q84 we were, which is still stunning to me. No, these are these are all monthly picks. So they are? March... We didn't have, oh. did we not have a pick for April 2010? I don't understand. <laughs> Maybe. There's no April 2010 here. Uh, well, because maybe that was the last non-monthly. So we've we got didn't, Jan- we didn't start. Oh, you're right. You might yeah. be right, actually. We didn't start Geek goes, and Sundry until 2011, I want to say. All right, because it goes, this is so interesting. Mm-hmm. It goes October, October 20, 20, uh, 2009, mm-hmm. then all the way to January 2010. <laughs> I know. We took forever. Then March. So we skip January. We skip February. We were close we to monthly April. until Felicia made us go monthly. I'm trying to find when we, um, April, June, July. Jeez. We anyway, two, this um, is June, not that interesting. I'm sorry. This is super not interesting to anyone else. I think the rum is starting to kick in. I'm just getting <laughs> sucked into to my brain. All right. Uh, but the f- f- I would say Douglas Adams a great one to say and Jane Jane Yolen even uh, both great ones to say uh, we should pick as main picks. And K. Jemison was a main pick. Uh, Carragher, Christopher Murakami and Abercrombie 
I almost want to just retroactively make them main picks, even though they were alt picks, because they feel like they're in the pantheon uh, of authors for me. So I'm I'm curious what other, because I think this thread devolved into talking about what was alt and what wasn't and the fact that we read Jemison. So I would say yeah. uh, that that I would like to see more suggestions of things that were never alt or more main. Totally, totally. Authors, yeah, because that's super helpful. Yeah, Phil was like, I have a bunch of picks, but they're all old white men. <laughs> and I was like, I'm still curious what they are, you know, sure, like, sure. just because that's what he knows. He said uh, no, yeah. no, well, and also no judgment there. The, uh, the history of science fiction publishing is very heavily old white men. Yes. Well, and they weren't always old, but they, they were always, always white. old. <laughs> Definitely white men, though. Yeah. I mean, I guess they got tan if they went to Florida. Yeah, you know, with all their money, just like mm-hmm. making it rain with all the sci-fi. Authors never get that rich, though. I'm joking. It's a joke. It's a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's move on to some tweets. Uh, yeah. T.T. Lynch says, uh, great first sci-fi for kids. Uh, per what you were saying on Sword and Laser, The Aliens Are Coming by Colin McNaughton is so wonderful. My kids at 15 and I still quote this book and think of it fondly. Um, the link that they posted, uh, seems like the book was out of print or not available through that link. So I'm going to search around and see if I can find, um, other versions of it, but yeah, please keep the suggestions coming for your, for great, like board books or kids books, um, that you would recommend for getting kids into sci-fi fantasy. I'm going to look up bookshop.org just quickly to see if it's available there and we'll put a bookshop, uh, org. Perfect. I think if it is, but it does not look like it is. So moving on, uh, we have a, so this is funny. We have a, a tweet from Beth Mitchum, which is a review of The Empress of Salt and Fortune by Niveau. The story is about a story collector hearing a story. So it's about who writes history and why they choose that way to tell the story and how the pieces come together. Hashtag Hugo's 2021. Hashtag novella. Mm. So what this means... And what I've never realized and should have realized ages ago is that Beth is writing her reviews, not just for us. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. And it's, that's a very sword and laser centric perspective to have. I understand, but it never even occurred to me to go look at her Twitter stream <laughs> just to see <laughs> if she was writing other book reviews. And the reason I know this is because she posted a reread review for Sword and Laser, which tagged us. And she says, this time I watched the storyteller watching the collector to see what was understood, not only the what, but the why. And I liked how the collector was willing to admit when they didn't understand it all. Also, there was a cool bird. So I clicked on that and I was like, oh, it's so funny that she didn't write the title of the book because normally she always writes the title of the book. And I noticed it was part of a thread. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, she read it back in October. She's more talented than we thought. I know. So now I'm going to have to go back on her Twitter account and and read all her other book reviews her non-spoilery book reviews. I'm very excited. Uh, and then Drake Tunston uh, said, I listened to the How I Built Goodreads interview on NPR earlier. Very interesting. I like the conclusion that the site came out better because it was more of a passion project. Yeah. Um, I, I mentioned that podcast in the last episode. Um, and I found that interesting, too, because I feel like a lot of times people say not to make your passion your work because it takes the fun out of it. 
And I feel like that didn't happen for them. I feel like they continued to have fun with it, even up after after the Amazon purchase and, and after everything that happened, they, you know, Otis was still like working like as a developer, like mm. being very hands-on with the product, like up until when he decided to step away. Um, so that, that was cool. A different perspective on that. Yeah. The, um, the idea that you shouldn't make your passion, your work, I think is oversimplifying. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely true that if you take something you enjoy and you make it your work, it changes it uh, so that it is not just a fun thing anymore. It becomes it becomes an obligation, but that's still the best kind of work. So yeah. I kind of don't like that advice. Don't make your passion your work. I'm like, no, figure out how to make your passion be also your work. But I also agree that it does change it. <laughs> And yes. that you'll need, you also need to have things you do for fun. If you make right. some, if you're passionate, I'd say you should be passionate about the thing you work on. That's the best case scenario, like naturally passionate about it. But also you should have fun things that you do that are passionate about that are, they have no pressure on them to feed you and clothe you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. Totally. Um, oh, this is a callback. Um, I hadn't uh, actually gotten the most uh, recent number for Brandon Sanderson's um, Kickstarter because the the New York Times article said 15 million. Um, it's now at uh, 26.7 million. Oh, good. So, so Make update your, your estimates. Kickstarter, um, your passion. <laughs> Make your Kickstarter your passion. <laughs> I was about to say something and I'm I'm not going to say it because it's not. Oh, boy. Nice. Is she going to stay awake for the book of the month discussion? Yeah, she is. She oh, is. Good. She is. <laughs> Let's I do feel it. like he could write like this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it. Should we move on? I'm going to say it. Oh, yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. All, All right, right. Let's, let's talk, talk about Pandora's <laughs> Star by Peter F. Hamilton. <laughs> Uh, the <laughs> prologue is a conversation kicked off by Joanna. <laughs> uh, the prologue, of course, is the part of Pandora Star. Uh, we're we're not being spoilery here, so no. This I won't is say if you haven't happens. read the prologue, come on, it's the first chap. It's not even the first chapter. But when that's fair, you know how that goes. When you're not being spoilery, you're not being spoilery. So I'm not going to talk about what <sighs> happens right. in the prologue. But it's funny. I think Joanna's right. It's, it's super it's, funny. It's funny and it's unexpected. And the rest of the book is nothing like that. Uh, and and so uh, Joanna called that out and said, years after I read Pandora's Star, even thinking about the prologue makes me laugh. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I remember reading the prologue. I was like, oh, the book is like this. Oh, it's like it, it's got that that like vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And then I read the first chapter. And I was like, Oh no, no. In no. fact, I, I agree with William that the, the prologue reads like a, a, a golden age sci-fi story with a twist. And then the rest of the book is like, as if that sci-fi story had, had, you know, the short story had been written and then they're like, Oh, let's turn that into an entire novel or two yeah. or 12, depending on how you look at it. Uh, I yeah, loved I it. Yeah. Really good, I, I thought that was a really good observation from Joanna. Um, I when I first read this post, I got confused with uh, between epilogue and prologue, and I don't even remember if there was an epilogue. Um, but the last chapter, I was like, "Oh, we're just going to talk about that last chapter, huh?" I'm ready, 
And I was like, oh, no, we mean the beginning, not the pro, end. But we'll talk pro. more about that at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yeah. I know. Again, we will be spoilery next episode. Later. You're safe for Later. now. For now. Plenty of time. Um, well, we do have a, a thread from Ian about influences. He says, I found the world building and style of Pandora's star very reminiscent of several authors I've read over the years. Um, okay. Just making sure there's no spoilers in here. The prologue introduced us to Nigel and Aussie, who could have walked out of the pages of one of E.E. E. Doc Smith's book, uh, The Skylark of Space, being the obvious candidate. This is especially true um, when, spoiler, uh, it's a shame that he wasn't influenced by the brevity of Smith's books. <laughs> uh, Morning Light Mountain even resembles a chloron in some respects. Chloron. I don't know what that is, so it's not a spoiler to me. Um, the other great influence is, of course, Robert A. Heinlein in multiple places from the space armor and the oversexed female protagonists like Melanie. This influence uh, leads to a lot of the ick factor in the book, dirty old men with stables of young, attractive wives. The big dumb objects could have come straight out of Niven's Ringworld or Clark's Rendezvous with Rama. The more recent influences were, of course, Ian M. Banks, The Culture. The historical influence of the book is the American Gilded Age. The use of a new technology, the railroads to expand into the West to generate obscene fortunes for several families is so glaringly obvious that the influence is not really concealed. I am interested in any other influence or parallels that stand out to other readers. Great post, Ian. Uh, Ruth said, uh, that the ick factor is what caused her to lem the book, uh, that mm. and the fact that the pacing is super slow, which we'll get to, uh, she did like the idea of space trains though, and the Gilded Age in space vibes. And Rick pointed out, uh, that if you like trains in space, you should check out night train to Rigel, uh, by Timothy Zahn. And I oh. would point out that you should, uh, perhaps check out the great uh, North Road by Peter F. Hamilton, which is full of space trains and detectives. I don't remember the ick factor in that one that people are talking about. And the ick factor is is regarding like, it's really not to me, I don't know what you think, Veronica. It's really mm -hmm. not to me the fact that he's got characters like Melanie. It's the fact that there aren't other characters, right? It's, it's, it's fine to have a character like Melanie if you have... Well, they a do. I mean, Paula Mayo isn't, Mayo isn't at all like that. Sure, sure. It's uh, the breadth of the, the characters is not as wide as some people would prefer, I think. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know if I agree with that. I think there oh, is, okay. I think there's a, hmm, I feel like I'm going to get myself in trouble. I feel like this society, because of being able to, Relife and to be able to have like such long mm -hmm. ongoing lives, different relationships. I think sexuality and monogamy and, you know, physicality in terms of sex. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it all means a little bit different things now, mm -hmm. especially when you don't have to keep the body you have. You don't have to like always be the same looking, you know, like once you, age out you can just go and get a rejuve and like you know look young again and so i think there's i think i think sexuality is a little bit of a looser concept and maybe more of a um what's the word i'm trying to think of commodity in this society 
I I sort I I've, I was thinking along the same lines, but what I stumbled on was, and so where are the people with the kinks? Where are the uh, the people that are not gender normal? Uh, yeah. where are simply, you know, gay and bisexual, uh, characters. No, there are, I mean, there are that, I mean, there's, a there's few. definitely, there's yeah. definitely gay and bisexual and, and there's a couple lesbian relationships. And so th- mm-hmm. that does happen. It it could be more prevalent. I think it would yeah. be more and, modern and, to have it be more prevalent. And it may be Hamilton just being careful not to write something that he's inexperienced with. Uh, but the, those relationships do seem like they get less attention. Yeah. Um, there was, yeah, Justine's. Uh, I'm, I'm looking. Oh, Tomahome mentioned Paula Mayo as well. Um, I didn't see those comments. And Justine, um, Justine's a little more fluid. Um, there's a. Uh, um, yeah, I don't think the it's- presidents. The president of the Commonwealth. Her main, like, person. Her secondhand woman has a has a has a lesbian relationship. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's just like, it, it comes up. It, I definitely would say there's more women dating women than men dating men that I've noticed in this book, which is tends to be like a pretty heteronormative perspective. <laughs> I don't think there's um, any trans characters either. No, not that I've come across in the first and again, or second I'm not saying so there far. have to be, but, but if you're going, if, if you're looking at the palette of characters, it's like, okay, you, you went with these tropes. Throw me a couple other tropes to mix it up. Yeah. If you're a modern writer, Mm -hmm. which he is, writing about a future Earth, which he is, future human civilization now in the the cosmos. Um, Tomahome, are you spoiling me? Whatever. Um, Thanks. Um... (laughs) chat spoilers what was i saying okay if you're a modern writer writing about a future earth and knowing the trajectory of human sexuality and comfort levels and expression like you would think you would like think that into your storyline to be at least truth truthful to how history is unfolding all that Which is said, there are many more genders and many more ways of experience of like like expressing your sexuality. All that said, I think that is a minor problem with the book. Uh, I, I don't think I, I, this book is not focused on that. This book is no. focused on world building and concepts. Mm, and, is that not world building though? Well, it, it is. You're right, but but I'm I'm thinking world, not not culture. Right. In other words, like world building in the sense of alien cultures and it's just focused elsewhere. And so with every book and every writer, there's a portion that you can point to and go like, well, if they hadn't been focused over there, they could have done that better. And, you know, totally. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not I'm I'm not shit talking Peter F. Hamilton here. Like, I I totally understand. We were, we were on the conversation of like, are women overly objectified? Is there like a super ick factor? I get it. I see like the time, like why people would say that it hasn't bothered me overly. And in fact, (laughs) for better or for worse, because it feels very noir. I, it, I think I have some level of acceptance (laughs) for what that particular genre tends to bring, which Mm -hmm. is a little hypersexualization of, of the female form. Uh, let's talk about Anne's post, the book's pacing. Is it slow for you too? 
I'm only 10% in, and mind you, it is a long book, but it also seems exceptionally slow for me. I can't tell if it bothers me and maybe it will pick up, but up to now, it's been a long introduction and world building, and I struggle through each chapter waiting for something to actually come together and connect the storylines so that the real story, if there is one, can finally start. Did anyone else have problems getting into the book? And for those who are farther along, does it pick up speed? I would say yes. I think there's just so much crammed into this story. See, that's funny because I didn't feel like the pacing was slow. I felt there was just like a lot of book. And so it just it t- <laughs> it takes a long time to get like into the story. But I didn't yeah. feel like the pacing was slow. I felt just like there were a lot of threads happening at once. This burger is not fatty. It's just a one pound burger. It's just the biggest <laughs> burger you've ever it's tried to cram biggest, into your stupid yeah, face in your life. Kind of, That's kind of how I felt. Uh, Although I did, for reasons we'll talk about in spoiler time next time, Mm -hmm. uh, start reading Judas Unchained. Me too. And I feel like that one starts slow as well. And I've gotten to points there. I've gotten to points there where I'm like, oh, please, come on. Just get me to the next revelation. I've been waiting for one and a half books now. Like, let's let's go. And See, I, don't I totally know disagree. If it's a- I don't know if it's actually, well, you can't disagree that I feel like the pace is slow. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you well, can, I can say disagree. that the, you, you could say you don't feel the pace is slow. I don't slow. That's, feel that yeah. way. Right, yeah. right. No, I get it. You're I get you. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, but I wonder if I'm just impatient because of how long it took to get there. Because when I when I start to think about it, I think I realize like, well, no, like like this has happened and this is ha- like things are happening. It's just mm-hmm. there's all it's a big thick burger that I'm still eating, and it's not a bad burger, but I'm, my jaws are starting to get tired. Trying to get tired, a little tired, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, oh man, I. I had withdrawals coming out of the book um, and I had to immediately start the next book because of reasons and um, that involve rage. And also um, I had gotten so used to hearing the voice in my head, reading this book, (laughs) like I had to keep going. It was was almost like a comfort thing. I'll, I'll put it this. I was very excited to get, start reading something else to vary the voice in my head. And then I got to the end, and as we discussed on on text message, I also was compelled to continue. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing, but there, I think there is a part of me that's like, oh my gosh, I just tell me what happens for goodness' sake. Yeah, yeah. Even if you're telling me beautifully, I just want to know what happens. It's really good. I mean, it is just yeah. a it is it's dense. Really well written. It mm-hmm. is so well written, and I just I can't even imagine writing a book like. This is one of those books, and I'm like, how even does someone write a book like this? And there's several uh, conversations I noticed on Goodreads where people are saying, "Well, this part didn't didn't make any sense, or it didn't connect." And then they either they will come back, or someone will point out, like, "Oh no, it connects just much farther Sweet. down. Like nothing is thrown away. If you think like, why did they do that? You're you're going to find out at right. some point." Well, Tazzy Dave has a really great example of one of those scenes further down in the thread. And I I don't want to read it now because I think it is. Mm. Well, I'll just say he. Okay. I can read it without spoilery. Okay. He says, I thought the Justine flying scene was amazing. 
And that whole scene does become important for several storylines further along in both books. Things that seem unimportant and people who seem like background characters will often become more important to the story later. Absolutely true. Um, He says, I had no problem with the pacing. I enjoyed the multiple POV chapters and the world building. It does all come together. Many characters and storylines will meet and overlap. I know many of you won't get there, but the second half of Judas Unchained is a put your seatbelt on and hang on for the ride action thriller. Okay. I cannot wait to I'm get in. there. Cannot wait I'm to in. get there. Yeah. I am not it's there happening. at Judas Unchained yet. It is super interesting how some characters come back. Like Melanie's entire storyline, like she just like total background mm. character who has become pivotal, at least you know, at the end of the first book and into the second book. So... I, 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 can't say anything more. <laughs> I was I'll like, I think you. I can say no. I can't say no, that. No, no, no. Um, but yeah, I it it is. Uh, it's a it's a, a very very big and very good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm enjoying it clearly because I'm still reading it. Um, hopefully, all of you out there are as well. Um, I know some of you have lemmed, but I and I understand why. But I, I hope most of you stick with it because it is it is very entertaining. Oh yeah, no, I I loved Ruth's Ruth's attitude on this. She was like, I lemmed it, but hey, at least I tried. And it's like, yes, yeah. that's that's all we ever ask is like we're trying to expand everybody's horizons. So try and don't feel bad if you have to stop. If you're like, nah, not for me, like. Because there's so many good books out there. You should not waste your time if you're not having a good time. I a hundred percent believe in that. Absolutely. Well, speaking of good times, our good time has come to an end for this episode. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who is listening and who is joining us live. Uh, I'll be better about posting the live recordings over on Discord so people can join if they uh feel like they'd like to see how the sausage gets made. Um, and thank you so much to all of our patrons. Patrons, <laughs> to all of our patrons, patrons out there. Patrons, patrons, all of you patrons. <laughs> Obey, morning light mountain. <laughs> Thank you so much to all the folks who back our show, including my aunt Linda, who donates twenty dollars a month and for years has not understood what it is she's paying for and can't no. figure out how to turn off the payments. So I'm oh, going to no. have to figure out how to do that for her. We should re- we could refund her. Um, if you want to help uh, willfully donate to our show, head <laughs> over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Yeah, you can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com and we are on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And uh, as Tomahome says, maybe we should start a Kickstarter. No, I think we're good on that front. <laughs> it's... I mean, unless you guys got 15 million or, and, and some change to spare, I'll take your money. I will. I will. And I will run away and I will move to Bali and you will never hear from me ever again. So donate to our Patreon. <laughs> Just kidding. Love you guys. See you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Audio program so good, it's like you're there!